Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the podcast. I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. Now, that might be the mission of the nonprofit that you're working at, or if you're a nonprofit consultant, the many different missions of the nonprofits you work with. We have a great show for you today with Amy Cross of Gender Fair. And before we get into that, though, we have an exciting announcement. You can enter to win a free gender fair assessment for your nonprofit organization. Woohoo! So just go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239 today. Definitely do it before October 20th, 2022, because that is when we are going to draw the winner. So you have um, about a week and a half to get in there. Um, and Amy Cross is going to explain what the gender fair assessment is all about today in depth. But just to give you a little sneak peek, what that does is that Amy is actually going to go through a lot of different policies and things that your nonprofit does. And what you're going to be looking at is any um, inequity of gender pay, gender representation, gender policies, all of those types of things for your nonprofit. And why this is so important is that, well, for one, you might see any red flags. And if you're like, wait, no, we love women. We have a lot of women working with us. We're totally not inequitable. Like we're totally on, on, on point. Um, the thing is, is actually Save the Children even did this and they found some red flags. And if you guys are familiar with Save the Children, they are completely, they've, I mean, they were born out of the women's suffrage movement over a hundred years ago, women founder, women CEO, all of that. And they still had pay gaps um, between gender. Can you guys believe that? So definitely um, a lot of this is just because of systematic things. Um, but being able to look at that and then take action and fix any red flags is really important. And then you can also say that you've been through this assessment, which can show a lot of transparency to your donors, to your funders, um, and so much, and even to your employees, of course, right? And what that does, and Amy's gonna talk about that a little bit more today, is when people are clear about gender equity um, and pay and leadership representation policies, all of those things, within a nonprofit, what that's gonna help employees do is be more committed to your nonprofit because of that transparency, because of that fairness. So if you would like to enter to win a gender fair assessment, and the value of this, you guys, is $1,000. Amy is giving away one for free for grant writing and funding um, change makers out there. Please go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239 and um, click the link there. It's a quick Google form to fill out. It does not take a lot of time. Um, at all, but go ahead and enter and we will draw the winter, winner on October 20th. So you are definitely going to want to get that. It is an amazing assessment. I've already seen other people that I know that have companies and that sort of thing. They're already taking these. She has over 800 companies that have been through this um, and that are qualified now and certified as gender fair. And she is now also opening this up to the nonprofit sector, which is super important. 
So if you guys want to be some of her champion nonprofits, please do check that out. Once again, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239. And it's totally free to enter the raffle, okay? And we will draw one winner, and that's a $1,000 value that you will get. At no cost, she will do a gender fair assessment for your nonprofit. So that's really exciting. So thank you, Amy, for that. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today is we're going to be talking about gender revolution for economic power. We're going to be talking about why it's important to have gender fairness in your nonprofit. We're also going to be talking about policies to analyze. So maybe if you don't win the full assessment, you can start by getting some of the tips that Amy's going to talk about today. And of course, that goes into like fringe benefit kind of policies as well. It goes into hiring, um, a lot of these different areas, right? And it, it really is important to have this gender, whichever gender you identify with, right? Equity and fairness across the board. We're also going to be talking about transparent pay. I know that's a big one for nonprofits. And um, talking about even what vendors you work with, your nonprofit works with, right? Do your vendors have some sort of gender fairness or even BIPOC fairness integrated into their policies, right? So definitely a great conversation today, a little bit different than what we normally do. We've been kind of going a little broader the last couple of weeks. So I hope you enjoy kind of thinking outside of the box and looking at some major discussions that do hit the nonprofit sector, right? So we're kind of, last week we talked about how you have those conversations about the political divide because that does impact nonprofits. And today we're going to talk about gender equity within the structure of your nonprofit because that can be the difference between retaining an employee, hiring an employee, and not retaining or not being able to get um, somebody on board, right? So these types of things are very, very important and they do impact the nonprofit sector quite a bit. So once again, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239 to go ahead and get entered to win that gender fair assessment. And of course, go ahead and visit grantwritingandfunding.com where you can get enrolled into our Hub Haven. There's our grants formula there, our nonprofit uh, funding checklist. And if you're interested in becoming a freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant, we have a ton of free resources in our Hub Haven, along with a weekly email where you can get a ton of different information and resources and also just updates when our podcast comes out. That's all integrated into our uh, weekly email. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Here is Amy Cross. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. And you? Good. I'm doing well. So it's a busy morning already here on Guam, and I know you're over there in D.C., right? So you have a, your evening time? Yes, I'm on the East Coast. That's right. I'm on the East Coast, and my day is finishing with a lovely conversation with someone, and Yay. so I'm happy about that. Cocktail hour. That's right. That's right. And yeah, and we were going to pick it up to some other conversations we've had. So we've kind of met before. We've talked about different things. Um, I'm definitely um, crushing on your company. I love what you guys are doing. And I've actually interwoven some of the resources that you provide and that you've discussed, like in YouTube uh, videos and that sort of thing, into different um, webinars that I teach on gender equity in the nonprofit realm, because it's really important. I see there's much inequity and trying to get the light on that in, in a non-shameful way, right? But in a solution-oriented way. And that's what I really like about what your company um, does is they really help point out things and inequity 
um, specifically on gender, obviously gender fair, but then also provide solutions. So thank you for being a forerunner in this um, in this world. Right? Um, That's right. Solutions. There's been so much talk. That's the whole thing for me. It's like talk, 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 problem, problem, problem. Like, what are we going to do about it? Well, um, I say we have women and women and their allies not hand over dollars to any organization, which isn't fair to women and and people and, and the non-majority. So whether you're, it's a dollar going to a, a consumer company, a college for tuition, a nonprofit, or an investment dollar, if you care about equality for people, I would hope that your dollars go to organizations that deliver equality to their stakeholders. So that's the basic message, that every dollar can be a vote for equality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. And because we are consumers, right? It makes sense. It's, um, I know a lot of behind even the environmental movement, um, behind other types of social justice movements, and people are like, it doesn't have to be complicated all the time. It's about we're all consumers and where you invest and we can have power in that. And I think that's yeah. so important because that's what you're pointing out with gender equity too, to be like, well, look, we can we can utilize our money or funding or our grants or how we procure to actually create equity. And I think that's so, so important and simple, right? Right. It's yeah. like the basic message, the customer is queen and king. So the customer, whoever's paying, gets to, I think, should get to demand a more, a, a more equal organization. So whether, yeah, as I said, for, for no matter where that dollar is going, I think it gives you the right to ask the, and ask these questions too, you know, like, they you may not have an answer. Say say if I'm a if I'm gonna don't if I'm gonna write a, a check to some organization that I'd never heard of before, I could ask them. Well, so you know, do you know what the leadership is the 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 gender and racial leadership is of your of your organization? And if they don't know, that's a bad sign, right? That's a, just a quick question. Anywhere you go, you could put a little bit of this filter somewhere. I walk into coffee shops and I say, say is this woman owned? I love that. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. I mean, but why? You know, why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how are how are we going to create equity without creating representation and within that representation creating power? So I think that's, you know, really important. So yeah, for those of you guys tuning in, that this is a little sneak peek that we'll be talking about today, but more specifically, we're also going to be segueing into philanthropy and nonprofits and how are you set up in equity? So um, I want to just introduce you properly. So I've got a little bio for Amy. So Amy Willard Cross is the founder of Gender Fair Index. So this is what we're going to be talking about today, which leverages data to accelerate equality by rating companies on their fairness and even nonprofits now on their fairness practices for leadership, employee policies, advertising, and philanthropy, then sharing that data with consumers, employees, and investors. So that's in a nutshell your business. You guys have a lot of different offerings, like you even have an app. So like you said, you can see if the products you're buying are from women-owned uh, companies. And you have, now you're entering into procurement realm as well. Um, you have a lot going on at Gender Fair. So exciting. <laughs> so before we get into all of that, just to let us know, like, what gave you this passion? I mean, I see you're named after your great grandmother's really good friend who was a part of the women's suffrage movement, right? So that was Willard. <laughs> so I know that this has been in your blood and your DNA for some, some time. So can you guys, can you um, kind of share with what started this passion and really developing this company? 
Ah, it's a long story, but I do come from a long line of feminists, and my grandmother also went to women's college and told me to go to women's college, and she told me that when in my in her day, a woman had to be 100 times better than a man, and in my day, it would be about 50 times. Mm -hmm. So I followed her advice, went to women's college, and I was a, I've been a feminist since I was a kid. I wrote my first play when I was 10, like in fifth grade. It was called Men's Liberation. It was an opposite world where the men were oppressed, and I, and I fixed it in one act, and I did it in my in my elementary school cafeteria. You know, I subscribed to Ms. when I was a kid. I marched for the ERA. So this has been part of my life all the time, and I've been, you know, I've been a journalist. I've been a magazine editor and writer, and I've written about all these issues, mm -hmm. but then I got thinking, like, writing isn't just enough. Like, we talk and talk and talk about the problems, and data sometimes can change people, and it can actually, whereas, you know, talking and blogging and blogging may not have any value for people when you show them numbers it can change people's minds data journalism can make change and it can also um pay for itself because usually data is something that people will pay for when they won't, won't pay for just regular words so that's what got me started on this i was doing a, i was doing a women's news site before that and i decided to move into something that was actionable you know you could read my story about something but you may not act right away well if, if i tell you if i tell you right now which car companies um, are better for women. You could choose a car that has good women's leadership, good employee policies, diversity reporting, philanthropy for women. So that's something you can act on immediately. And you know what I really want to do is create a consumer revolution of women and taxpayers and everybody, all women sort of demanding what they want and saying, we have power. I think that's the main thing on a culture. Yeah. Uh, women act, I mean, now we act. We, we could use more of our economic power is my main message. Yeah, absolutely. So, I've even seen this in as far as like, you can sell certain things even with your investments, right? Because a lot of times we don't think about like our 401ks or what those types of investments or retirement accounts are. We just kind of think, oh, I, I get a certain percentage of increase every year or decrease. <laughs> so you know right. what I mean? Like, but even like navigating that and saying, oh, I want to be more smart about where I invest and have choice about investing in things I believe in, right? So there's- that's right, and there, there are gender lens investments. So like LVEST does a lot of that. There's, you know, that's a, a growing field. People are putting billions and billions of dollars into funds that um, that uh, that are composed of companies that are, you know, rated good to women. Mm -hmm. So this is, it's, it's, it's a birth of a new thinking, a new, a new way of thinking in a, in a lot of sectors. And I'm really happy to see that. I hope it goes more grows and grows and grows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, 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 just to play the devil's advocate here. Some people might say, well, why? You know, here's, isn't it equal already? <laughs> we both know that it's not, but like, can you kind of split, you know, kind of split that to say it's important to invest in women's equality and in women's businesses because, well, it's important, it's human rights. But on the other hand too, there's actually a big ROI when we do that. Right, of course. So like if you're, if you're not connected to your customers, so I all talk about the commercial realm since you know our, our major database is 800 publicly traded consumer facing companies, not owned by women, but just, you know, we look at how they treat women overall. Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, oh, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what was your question again? Excuse so me. why is it important? Why is it important? Oh, why is it important? Well, of course you can't, you can't be, if you're trying to sell, you know, soap to women or cars to women, you need to connect to women. You, if you're going to hire women, you need to connect to women. You need to treat them well. You need to, you know, you need to be connected to women business owners. So, you know, you can't, you can't expect to just make money off a population without including them. So we see, I can actually see quite clearly there's, there's score, companies that have really, really low scores on the gender fair index. 
especially in, in the beginning, like Tesla, I think had a zero in the beginning. Like they didn't have any women leadership. They didn't publish their employee policies. They had no, you know. And then so when, when Tesla was hit by a lot of discrimination lawsuits, I was not surprised. The same thing for Activision Blizzard, another pu public company that had a big scandal this year about sexual harassment. So that's like in one way, business people talk about de-risking. Mm -hmm. Well, having a, a sort of a, a, a healthy workplace with more equal representation be, between men and women can sometimes um, moderate that negative effect of harassment claims. Um, so it's it's one, it, you know, there's lots of studies that show it increases stock prices, it, women are, you know, good leaders, uh, you connect to the customers. There's many, many business arguments, but also, as, I, as you talked before, human rights argument. Mm -hmm. It is not right to not let people flourish and live equally and produce equally. It's just not right. And um, some scholars now, this my friend Sarah Kaufman at University of Toronto, she talks about how the moral argument is the right argument. Like forget the business argument. Yeah. Because we've been saying the business argument for years and it really hasn't moved. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what's hard is that people, what's good, what's good about our measurement, no matter where you use it, if people use it in consumer companies or nonprofits or colleges, is it's hard to tell what's really fair for women, right? That's what's so great about these UN Women Empowerment Principles. They look at eight different categories. So sometimes a company will say, will tell me, or an organization will say, we're doing great by women. We've got a girl in marketing and we give, you know, two weeks mat leave. Well, that is good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's there's about a dozen other things I would like, a bare minimum that we'd like a company to do to show that it is being positive to women and people of color. Mm -hmm. So um, I think in that way, I think our measurement is really helpful because it, it will show it'll show organizations things that they hadn't thought of, like they hadn't thought about doing supplier diversity, mm -hmm. or they hadn't thought of uh, of uh, you know publishing a pay equity study, which is really easy. You can do them for free. There's free online calculators, and there's no reason why any nonprofit who's listening today can't do a salary calculator. Like if uh, you know we we listed in our in our in our in our reports that go out with our assessments like there's lots of different places where you can do this easily you know i know people who've done it um, executives a, a friend of mine who's an executive at sap just did it with her in her own department she just added up everyone's salaries saw what her bonuses were and just divided it equally it's not hard to, to make things equal if you work but no it is hard you have to work at it but it's not impossible you don't need to hire a million dollar consultant to make things fair Right, right. And I love that because, yeah, there is so many points that you could say. I can tell you why this is a good ROI to have equality for women. And even if you, you said also, like, well, you can also utilize this for race and BIPOC communities and everything, right? This representation is important. There are good ROI return on investments that will happen. But the bottom line, though, is it's the moral argument people should be equal. We shouldn't live in a white dominated male society where they make more still 83 cents to, um, you know, a woman only make about 82. I think it's actually 82 cents to every dollar a man earns. Women of color only 63 cents to every dollar a man earns, right? There's so much disparity still. That's just not right. <laughs> you know? But right. And especially in, in, in large amounts of capital too. There was a big scandal out earlier this, this summer about how the, the founder of WeWork who was, you know, mired in controversy, how he got this massive amount of funding from a big VC. And it turns out it was this, it, that number was equivalent to the money um, invested in black owned companies. Wow. So talk about a pay gap. Yeah. That's a $350 million pay gap. Yeah. That's pretty wrong too. So we're not allocating the, the it's not, it's not, I mean, hourly wages are hugely important, of course, in salaries. But when you look at that, like that's how much capital 
mm-hmm. or is, is allocated to um, funding, VC funding of black com- black owned companies. That's it, pretty sick. So yeah, that's such a disparity. Like it's a huge, it's a huge trench and it needs to be bridged, right? So we need to figure out how to move forward. And, and these types of assessments can really help with that. And that's why I like they're solution oriented. So for a nonprofit, then we can look at this, how that helps. And, and I love that more and more nonprofits are picking this up. I actually saw the interview with you and um, the director, the gender diversity, I think, uh, uh, director from Save the Children. And they were talking about how they utilized it for their nonprofit and even their nonprofit, which is a hundred years founded on, you know, from the suffrage movement, like, you know, women's rights into the values. They even had gender equity. They had pay gap issues in equity. So they had some pay gap issues. So right. even that, it's in our culture. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to get away from. So it's like, I don't think people need to feel guilty or, or feeling mm-hmm. if they're not performing. It's like, we all have to work at being fair. I do, you do, mm-hmm. even if those of us are conscious. That's why, that's why we have like, you know, de-bias, tra- you know, we have, we de-bias interviews and we have these structures to help. So I, I loved, I, I, you know, I say the children is one of my favorite organizations. I, I love that. And I love how, you know, she told us that in that webinar, right? I, I didn't even know that. I didn't know until recently that they were women founded and, and still had this huge disparity because we see in companies that often a woman founder creates a different atmosphere. Like you can, I could see it in the data, like Coach, Coach for example, was founded by a woman back in the 40s. And when we first started doing this, our consumer database in 2016, it had really good metrics. And coincidentally, they did a lot of philanthropy for women around economic issues. That's a really interesting correlation in our database that I can see that women founded companies um, Kate Spade as well, and um, Eileen Fisher. Women-founded companies often do philanthropy that is based around women's economic power. Like mm-hmm. they know this is important. You know, if you want to have equality in America, mm-hmm. in our culture, um, money helps buy us equality or mm-hmm. um, helps buy us freedom. And um, anyway, so that I thought was a very interesting uh, correlation. It oh, uh, maybe less so, but in the beginning, it was very, very clear. Women, uh, women-founded businesses funded women's economic initiatives. Yes, I love that so much. But I wonder how that transfers to the nonprofit realm, because some people might argue and say, right. nonprofits, though, primarily women, we see a ton of women, lots of women in leadership, That's right. etc. But from my data, I know that doesn't actually mean equality. Always, you know, as far as pay. especially pay, especially payment. Yes, exactly. So that's we know they I think there have been studies on that, that like the, the people might have um, high titles, mm-hmm. but they may not be getting the same amount of uh, of high salaries that the men do in the same position. So that's we see it in colleges. Actually, there was a very strong study out by EOS a couple of years ago, EOS and AUW that showed that I think they looked at the top 100 schools or something and they found that the top paid positions were 74 percent men. So. Wow. Women might have these titles, dean or chief of something or other, but the money, the majority of the big salaries were still going to men. So we all have to really work very hard at this. Our culture seems to say men are more valuable than women. And, you know, even you and I would probably make those mistakes sometimes. I don't know. It's, it's, it's you have to work. We have all have to work very hard. That's why, you know, these measurements like the measurement that Gender Fair has can hopefully help companies I may not be perfect, but guide them to a bit more fairness yeah yeah i've definitely had to learn things and and work on that because i was raised in a misogynistic world right where that was the concept of men operate things better 
uh, women don't get as many um, things, uh, unpaid housework, all of that, right? So it is a part of the culture that we are unlearning. And now, you know, so I think that part of that assessment can help a lot because it helps you unlearn it because you see, you just see what it is. Like, wait a second, why is, when I was doing some data uh, research, it seemed kind of equal up to about a million dollars per year in annual operating budgets for nonprofits. And then it went up substantially where men were right. making way more money, way more leadership positions. So it, like you said, it said, well, the more valuable the nonprofit is, then we need a man in charge. That's what that data says. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not true. Right. But and, but, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. Our, our culture will tend to do that. And so we have to fight hard not to let that happen. But, you know, donors, I, I've been hearing that there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback or there's a lot of uh, question, interest for big major funders asking for, I know they don't call them RFPs, but asking for um, information on diversity in, in nonprofits before they, you know, before they do a big um, grant. And I think this is going to continue. I hope it does. I mean, I, I hope actually some people, it's, you know, ask for gender fair scores of companies. But um, we know this is this is coming. So big funders aren't going to want to don't aren't want to give grant do grants to companies to organizations that aren't being fair. And donors, yeah, so individual might want to. Know. I mean, my my next goal is I'd like to. I just did a we just this summer we worked on rating colleges with a gender fair lens. Mm -hmm. So we um, modified it with a group of students from Berkeley and also well a team of Wellesley students worked on this. And I'd like to do this for the nonprofits. I'd like to publish it, the top 1,000 nonprofits. I'd like to have a bunch of researchers go use our rubric, mostly unchanged. All you would change is the philanthropy metric and what's, how we measure companies, but with a, something in philanthropy, when we do it for a nonprofit, we just say what programming is there for women, of course. Um, but anyway, that, that's something I would really love to do is rate the top 1,000 nonprofits on their um, gender on their gender metric. So uh, I don't know, I'll look for, I'll look for another college that can produce, provide me about 10 students. I could do it in a few months and 10 students if anyone wants to help. <laughs> there we go. I love that. And that would be so good. And I, and I also love that, you know, even if you're a nonprofit and you're like, yeah, but we have like, you know, we were founded by a female, we have a female ED, maybe we have some that sit on the board, like we should be fine. We don't need to take that. And the, the thing is, is that you should take it though. Like we mentioned, even say the children took it and they saw uh, pay gap. So I think that's the biggest thing is I do see representation in nonprofits. Do I always see representation equally? No. It's like I was mentioning, the larger the nonprofit gets, that representation right. in positions does start slipping. Um, compared to businesses, you do see a little bit more representation, but we still see pay gaps. I think that's one of the major things. And the other major thing that you guys look at, because it's not just pay gaps and representation, it's also things like employee policies. So I do see a lot of employee policies, probably bigger um, with lack in the nonprofit realm than corporate America, because a lot of times there aren't a lot of fringe benefits at nonprofits. There aren't, there's not maternity leave. There's not, you know, there's a way fewer fringe benefits in many cases at nonprofits. And I see that's where women kind of get sucked into like, well, I just got to get paid pennies because it's a nonprofit, da, da, da. And they kind of have this this uh, argument with themselves or this talk with themselves that's really not healthy in a lot of ways because then they're not able to take care of their families properly or their health because they're not getting health insurance or those types of things. So I do see employee benefits 
lacking at nonprofits overall. So how can you just address that a little bit, how your assessment kind of points out employee policies and what some of those top ones might be? Well, yes, I mean, it's we, we ask for like five different areas of um, employee policies, and we know those are a hugely important to, you know, everyone, whether they're, whatever, no matter what age they are, whether there's, you know, mental health or health benefits or, or, um, or, you know, flexibility, time and place, which most of us have now after, but um, I think it's gonna be especially key to younger employees, right? They, they don't, they're not going to just do these 40 hours a you know, week jobs with no benefits and no um, policies. And also if you, it doesn't seem, I'm not a professional human capital manager quote, it's funny called it, but you know, in any organization that's trying to do good in the world, it does seem reasonable to me that people have to treat their own employees well, mm-hmm. or it doesn't, you know, how, how, how can you be working together if you're feeling not rewarded? My daughter just applied for, for two nonprofits here in Canada, and one of them, she, the salary was incredibly low. It was like a, almost a minimum wage job, and she said, you know, it's her first job out of college. She said, how can I live on that? She said, well, we're a nonprofit. We we can't afford it. She said, well, maybe she felt like saying, well, you should apply for more grants. Mm-hmm. Don't just, don't just, you know, accept this. Work harder to pay your people. So she did not take that job. She took the, the higher paying um, job because she felt it was better run. So, I mean, I, I can't really advise people how to run, um, run an organization, but I would guess that the, the more benefits you can offer to people, the better. And I don't know. Um, parentally was a very key one. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we should have, that should be a governmental issue, right? This, it shouldn't have to be, it shouldn't have to be by organization, but a lot of small organizations manage to do it. So I think, you know, also have to look at the loss of, apparently the loss of an employee is, is 14 weeks. It takes 14 weeks of salary equivalent to retrain someone. Mm-hmm. And that's about what the average parental leave is now. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I would, I would hope everyone could, would look into it. And I wish there were some sort of private insurance to do parental leave. I don't know if there is in America, but someone should do that if they don't already. Yeah, it's a big mess in America. It's a so, big mess. Yeah, but I think that's in- Yeah, it's a big mess in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's good though to look at, I like what you pointed out is, you may think I don't wanna give that, but then you could lose an employee or not gain an employee, just like your daughter, right? She was not gained at that nonprofit because of some of those things. And that's a huge loss. And that takes longer for job searching, longer for training, et cetera, et cetera. And then retention even, right? So even if you spend the time training up someone and then they don't have that, they might go somewhere else. And people are with a great resignation and all of that, I call the great redistribution, people are looking for different types of benefits rather than just uh, high pay all the time, Right. working from home, other types of fringe benefits, right? Those are important to people right now. Right. And um why wouldn't you do that? Like in, in, the, in the, the legal business, apparently that was the major thing that what, what women lawyers wanted and they'd drop out ter- a lot. They wanted flexibility and law firms just wouldn't do it. It was just stubborn. Like now they're flexible. Everyone's, all lawyers been working from home for two years. Yeah. So, I mean, we just have to have a different mindset, but um, you know, I think, um, I do hope that, I know that nonprofits want to do good in the world and they probably want to do well by their employees too, but it's, it, uh, it does take an effort and you have to see how and see how you're doing compared to other employers too like the in the private marketplace how are people doing yeah. they're doing a lot more for their employees they're doing and something some things aren't even expensive benefits but they're you know giving fridays off or um 
different different aspects that will make people just keep people happier and, and value them it's, it's not that hard but um, yeah so we do measure those those uh, those those employee policies and um, I think there are there's about five different categories Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what people, but what, what our, our, we have, we did some research, uh, a group called ABX did some proprietary research for us. And they asked about 2,400 Americans what was important to them in the workplace. And the most important thing was protection from sexual harassment. harassment. Yeah. And the second most important was equal pay. And mm-hmm. this, you know, it's like stages of safety. That, that, that is the most important thing. People want to be paid well. And that's what you were talking about first, first off, like when you being paying people well and more fairly is going to make them happier and no amount of summer Fridays and, 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 and ping pong in the office is going to make up for the fact that they, if they feel unfairly valued and, and some organizations do transparent pay, which I'm a real advocate for. I think it's mm-hmm. means like not only do you publish the bands of your salaries, but everybody in the company knows how much everybody makes. Well, why not? Yeah. Why not? What's what's so bad? Why is that so secret? Yeah. You know, secrets are generally not a good thing. And and in most marketplaces, you put the price on things. Yeah. How many shops do you buy? Do you go to where they black out the price? Not many. Yep. Yep. And when when you when you when I have when I had children, when I cut the when I cut both my children a piece of cake, did I? But I did I put one piece of cake under the table so the other kid couldn't see how big the pieces were? <laughs> no. Everyone got to see how big. Each, each kid got to see the other side, their kid's piece of cake. So I think that if I were running a nonprofit, actually, that would be the first thing I would do yeah. to create a radical sense of fairness is do pay transparency. And there's a few companies that do it, Buffer, MM Fleur, there's a few others I can't remember right now, but they actually just publish their salaries. And MM Fleur, which was as a gender fair company, they got gender fair certified and became a member. They did some research and found out their employees were so much happier just wow. knowing what everyone else is paid yeah. in the federal government. You know, there's a very low pay gap because it's all public. You know what you're GS one or GS two or GS 16 or something. And everybody knows what the number is and everyone knows what the, the money is. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. I love that. I advocate for that too. I'm like transparency, publish your rates <laughs> or publish your salaries. And that also helps too. Cause the other thing I don't like is when they don't publish a salary when you're going into a job, um, you just need to apply for a job, right? So on a job announcement, that's not published. And then that can lead to women maybe not negotiating. Men are shown to negotiate a lot more. Women, a lot of times just don't know that they can, you know what I mean? They've never been taught that they haven't, you know, so it's, then it leads to just starting out at different wages because the of course published <laughs> so right and then many states now have a law against that but there was recently a, a study that came out just a couple of weeks ago showing that like right out the gate like when the first few years women are still getting paid less yeah. um, than men like just recent graduates so it's just it is really sort of baked in that's why the more transparent we can make it i think the the better um yeah no it's it's that is the main issue equal pay equal yeah. pay for equal work Yes, I love that. So yeah, so you guys can definitely check out the gender fair assessment and Amy is giving one free one for a nonprofit in our contest. So please do check out the details for that if you want to register for that. Um, But before we sign off today, I also want to talk about real quick, I just want to talk a little bit more about the philanthropy lens. Um, You know, especially you didn't mention like donors, individual donors, foundations, are asking those questions too about nonprofits, how how much equity does your nonprofit have, right? 
Um, those are more questions. I think even, I'm sure you've seen studies, but uh, what I've kind of seen is millennials ask those questions more. I don't know, mm -hmm. that's also rolled over into Gen Z. I'd imagine it would asking those kind of questions a lot more and wanting to know where's my money going when I give it to you. It doesn't necessarily mean that I need to know the breakdown of everything, but I need to know your values. I need to know that you have some kind of stamp of approval on you. You know what I mean? Because there's so uh -huh. many nonprofits that are just proliferating like candy right now, right? So how do we know uh -huh. there's that kind of credibility that's meaningful for people, right? Mm hmm. Well, of course, I say take the gender fair assessment and see if you're gender fair. That's a good message to to, to tell people that um, that you meet these basic standards of fairness. But uh, you know, there's also the human rights campaign index. There's there's uh, there's many ways that come, that organizations can communicate their overall fairness. And um, besides just saying we are totally committed to, whenever a company writes in their material, they're committed to something. I know it's like oh, whatever follows is not good. It means it's not good because any any organization that has something good to say. So this, you know, our nonprofit pays people a living wage. That if they say that, you know, which is X amount of dollars, that is a, that's something I would be happy to see. You know, there's a, there are museums now where workers are going on strike in, in museums because they're not getting a living wage. Yeah. That um, so, you know, that's how how is that going to seem to a donor? How are you going to feel like okay, I'm giving this million dollar painting this organization, but they can't pay the people who are guarding it. Yeah. a fair a living wage in that community wow so uh yeah i think these are questions i hope that everybody asks in 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 your field in the philanthropic field mm -hmm. and ask if there's programming for women and this you know the grant writers listening these are these are questions you can add when you're writing grants you can i know you're you know you're, you write them for organizations but ask the organization how they're doing on uh, gender and race because that might be something you want to add into I mean, could you add that into a grant or yeah. you know ask Ask what the programs are for women and racialized people, and that would be something I would even if it's not the the major aspect of the grant. I would imagine that most people reading them would uh, would would like to know. This is a question that we all these are answers that we, all of us want to know about um, organizations in our in our sphere. How well are they doing for women and people of color? You know, even if you're building, yeah. I love that you pointed out too that you can write a grant for this type of thing. And and for those of you saying, well, how would you do that? These, this would be a capacity building grant. So if you are looking to even do a study on your on your nonprofit, if you're wanting to uh, increase your, if you even start a gender and um, equity inclusion uh, department, but also like making sure people from different departments come or do a training or a conference or do something where you're starting that conversation and you're able to analyze that programming like you mentioned these are all different grants that you can you can write so you can build capacity building grants for these you can also build uh, project grants for these so definitely there's money out there that funders would support to even get you set up to start doing more in your nonprofit on this. So definitely that's something you can look for. That would that would be a really good thing for you right? because that can help you get more grants for the future when you get these things set up. Because like you mentioned, then you can put on there, yes, we pay a living wage and here's our salaries. Like we're not just talking about this, here's our transparency, right? You can actually put some meaning behind your mouth. <laughs> So I love that as far as like there's grants out there to support some of this work as well. Oh, cool. 
I meant that they could include it in grants. <laughs> I don't know what a grant looks like, but I would, if I write a grant and say, please give me money to do my work on fish. And by the way, we are, we are a gender fair organization. We treat women and people of color fairly by X, Y, Z and, and demonstrate it. That's what I would, if I were writing a grant, I'd write that in the addendum, even if it wasn't the, even if it wasn't the, the major question. Because um, if I were reading that grant as a funder, I'd say, well, that's great, you were saving the fishes, but um, that's my, uh, but you're saving the fishes, but how do you treat the people in your organization? Yeah. And, and are you working on some of the social issues that we're also concerned about leveling the playing field um, culturally and economically and socially? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of priorities of grants out there for that specifically right now. There's a big movement. Cool. Yeah, I love it. I love this. Um, so anything else you'd like to add before we sign out today from Gender Fair? Sure, because I, I, I'm sure your audience is as charming as you are. So I'll say if, if you're a nonprofit listening and if you want to get assessed, that's one thing that's fine. And we'd love to see how you're doing. But also we have this really cool program right now is we're asking vendors, the people from from which from whom you buy. We have a, a, a big coalition of big companies and uh, like Logitech and Zoetis. And they're asking their vendors, how do you do on gender? So that's a power that you have as a nonprofit. You could say, look, and I'm taking my printing to your business. Okay, you're not woman owned, but do you have parental leave or do you have any women in leadership? You can ask these questions just casually of the vendors from which you buy. Or you could also ask them to take the gender fair assessment and join our coalition. We'd love any, any nonprofit that wants to actually join our coalition and ask all their vendors about this. We'd love that. But yeah, do it even in a small way. Make sure... You can you could also make sure that every dollar you send to a printing shop or a a caterer is if they're not you know uh, minority or women owned are still practicing uh, fairness to women and people of color. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that because that's once again kind of circles back to the beginning. Is you know your dollar can really buy you empowerment. It can level the playing field. Um, so where so not just within your organization, but who are you outsourcing, right? Are they, can you set up things criteria to look at and say, well, we use this printing shop, let's get three, because you usually get three quotes from different places, right? Kind of a normal thing is you get three quotes from your different vendors per year to kind of analyze where the best price is, but you could use, you could layer in another measurement as far as, well, can't we wait in how they're treating gender and race as well, right? And those kind of things. And that's yeah, part of your I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, another thing for the listeners, I do have a, I do have a document I did, I think last year, we need to update it, but it's, it's a list of B2B services and their gender fair ratings. So we look at like, you know, this versus that, like Zoom versus Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? Google does better than Zoom. So I don't use Zoom. So I, we, our company only uses, um, we try to use companies that uh, do well in the gender fair index because, you know, we, we try to live our principles. But yes, I'd be willing, I can, we can have a link to that somewhere in, um, yes. if you have a, in, yeah, in, in, I want to look podcast. at that as we're using yeah. them right now. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so this is good. See, there's knowledge, there's power in knowledge, right? So definitely that is amazing. Wow, I love that. So thank you so much, um, Amy, for coming on the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. People can definitely find out more at genderfair.com and we'll include that link as well in all of the show notes as well as the link to that resource um, and to get into maybe win um, that gender fair assessment. So you're giving away one free uh, gender fair assessment. We're gonna have a little contest. So please do enroll your nonprofit in that if you wanna grab that. 
rating. It is a really awesome assessment. Um, even here on Guam, I have, um, I told the Bank of Guam, who's very progressive, and they're already going to do it too. So I'm really excited about just even seeing other companies do it. And people so like, cool. yeah, take it up. Thank you, like, Holly. Yes. We're going to lead the charge on this. And we believe that this is right for our community. So I love that. Yeah. Perfect. It'll be a manual assessment too. I won't make them go into our, we have a, you know, a SaaS platform, but we'll just do it manually. It's easier for people that way. Awesome. So they'll have it handmade for them, hand tailored. I love yes, it. Yes, bespoke. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Amy. We'll have to have you back on um, the podcast again because um, I know you got big things kicking off in October. So I'm sure next year in 2023, you'll have some more updates for us. So thank you for all the work you're doing out there to promote gender equity um, through your app, through uh, the assessment, and all the other things that you're doing. Perfect. Thank you, Holly. It was fun to talk to you. I really liked it. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. It was so much fun to talk to Amy Cross of Gender Fair. She is absolutely amazing. And as a reminder, do go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239 for all of today's show notes, as well as to enter to win a Gender Fair assessment that is valued at $1,000 for your nonprofit. You do have to enter before October 20th because that's when we're drawing (laughs) the winner. Um, It's free to enter, all of that. So please go over there and uh, click on the link to fill that out. And if you love this podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review on your podcast player as that really does help other people find the podcast. And I love, love, love seeing all the cool stuff that you guys write about the grant writing and funding podcast. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. And remember, go fill out the free (laughs) raffle to win a gender fair assessment for your nonprofit at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 239. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.